Welcome back, Badgers fans, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. My name is John Veldheis, senior writer for BadgerBlitz.com, and I'm joined again by John McNamara, publisher of BadgerBlitz.com, and Jonathan Mills, a uh, staff writer at BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, so how, how are you guys doing today? It's uh, you know week two coming up for the Wisconsin Badgers in the 2017 football season. Um, uh, how, how's it going so far for you guys this week? Things are going well. Glad to be back and glad for some more college football. Yeah, aren't we all? Uh, so why don't we start off today just by reacting to Wisconsin's first game. They uh, took on Utah State last weekend on Friday night. Uh, you know, it was certainly a, a shaky start to the game. Uh, the Badgers didn't look quite like the team that we saw in the open practices in, in fall camp for that first really about like 25 minutes or so until – they uh, they went down on uh, a couple scoring drives to tie the game up right before halftime. Um, I, I, I'll save what I was thinking for later. But uh, you know, uh, John Mack, what what did, what did you take away from watching those first twenty five minutes, and then you know incorporating that into the rest of the game as a whole? I mean, do you think that uh, did that change your opinion about this team or uh, your your thoughts about what what they can do in twenty seventeen? I think I look at it um, kind of two ways here. So they were sloppy uh, to start the game. Um, and then nine penalties total for, I think, around like 72 yards. Yeah. Um, that's too much. So I think I think they're going to get that cleaned up. But with that being said, you know, a new offensive coordinator for Utah State, I think they saw some stuff that they, they didn't see on film, stuff that kind of maybe surprised them a little bit. So um, I, I think the really encouraging thing is the the adjustments that they made at halftime. Um, you know, they, they saw something new, they adjusted well, and then they, you know, went on 50, what, 59 unanswered points. Yeah, that's um, right. So I, I think that's a really good sign of where this program's at and then, you know, the ability of the coaching staff to recognize that stuff, make some tweaks, and then, you know, really go for full go out of, out of halftime. So, um, you know, I, I anticipate that there'll be a, a lot – a lot cleaner against Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, the offensive line, I think, I was a little bit worrisome at the start of the game, but then they cleaned some stuff up well. So, um, you know, I think it was, it was a little bit worrisome, like you mentioned, for that first 20 to 25 minutes of the game. But the way they responded, um, I think, is really positive. And I think they'll, they'll come out of the game it's a lot cleaner against Florida Atlantic. I would expect a similar score, but I think, I think they'll be cleaner on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the, I guess the thing that uh... – you know, stood out to me was the uh, the the offensive line play in general. It, it, you're right; it was just a little a little off, and you know maybe that's maybe that comes a little bit from uh, reshuffling the the guys at the positions. You know, with moving uh, Tyler Biotish up to center and moving Michael Dieter over to left tackle. I mean, that was his that was Dieter's first game left tackle. I, I after watching the game back, I, I agreed with his analysis that there were some ups and downs, some good good things to 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 build on, and some uh, things to improve on for sure. But in the second half, in particular, I agree. It seemed like they they communicated better. They were on the same page, and I think that's the that that's probably something that you could attribute to it being week one. In that you there's going to be some things that you need to iron out when it comes to making sure that everybody's, you know, locked in and focused. And, you know, Paul Chris was saying today uh, in his, his last availability before the, uh, the FAU game that, you know, it, 
you have to give some credit to to Utah State for uh, throwing some things at the Badgers and putting themselves in positions to where they can make some good plays to kind of keep the Badgers off schedule and you know, in particular throwing off their offense. I think the the defense the, the excuse me the, the defensive side of the ball um, in that game was pretty encouraging. When, I mean, when you look at it, uh, the, the one touchdown that uh, Utah State scored uh, came right after the Badgers turned the ball over on their own side of the field, and uh, Utah State you know, had, a, had a decent return, kind of set them up right in Wisconsin's red zone. Uh, so I don't know how much blame you can you can put on the defense for that. And then on that first uh, scoring drive for, for Utah State, they, uh, they got into the red zone and um, held them to a field goal. So in that sense, I feel like the defense played pretty well, and then obviously they shut them out over the rest of the game. But you know, if the offense works through those uh, you know, first game jitters and slows things down, make sure people are on the same page, the offensive line communicates, I think there are some, there, there's de- that will allow the, the, the offense in particular to really build on uh, the, the positives uh, that we saw in the game, specifically in the second half. Yeah, I kind of want to touch back on what you're talking about, the jitters. I f- a lot of players, whenever their first game, first big match, first home game at Camp Randall, the time of possession Wisconsin had, they only they only had a little over six minutes offensive possession, and then compared to Utah State, it was about eight and a half minutes. So right there, it just kind of showed that Wisconsin was anxious with the ball, trying to get out of their hands, maybe it's a little bit quicker than they normally do. And they weren't even playing their game. Utah had uh, 88 total offensive yards to Wisconsin's 26. That was just in the first quarter. And then slowly but surely, the team started kind of turning around. By halftime, Wisconsin had already outplayed them in offensive yards, 178. So it's just kind of getting that adjustment period, I think, hopefully bouncing back. And then it's a Utah team that really put put up a good fight in the first first half. Yeah, so what – like what – what of the positives that we saw from the game, like if you want to focus on the, the second half in particular, that's fine. Or if there was something at the end of that first half when the Badgers kind of rallied to tie things up at halftime, that's that's fine too. But of the positive things that we saw the Badgers do, was there anything in particular that really stood out to you guys as uh, an eye-catching play or something that bodes well for the future for them? Yeah, I, first of all, I think it's good to face a little adversity in week one. I think this is going to be good for this team. Um, but, you know, going more on the positives, obviously Jonathan Taylor I think is an easy answer here. Yeah. Um, you know, he, under 10 carries, I think he had 80-something yards in his first touchdown. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that he's going to be the next great back, but I certainly think that, you know, if he progresses the way – that a lot of people think he should, you know, his, his trajectory is, is awfully uh, exciting. If you're a Wisconsin fan, I think he could, you know, he could be the next great back at Wisconsin, obviously a long way to go in a small sample size, but um, he was awfully impressive. You know, Danny Davis was impressive without having a catch Uh, that, that block downfield on Xander Neville's touchdown. uh, That was a play that, you know, I don't think you see a lot of true, true freshmen make. And then, you know, Alex Hornerbrook was quietly very good, too. And, um, you know, no interceptions. He was sacked a few times. But, um, you know, he responded well, you know, both in, in the passing game and completing passes. But I, I thought he showed some good leadership stuff there. You didn't see a guy that, that had his head down or was pointing fingers or anything like that. I, I think that's all good signs for for a young leader of this offense, you know, just being a redshirt freshman. So, uh, And then on the defensive side of the ball, um, like you mentioned, you know, pitching a shutout in the second half. A lot of guys got some time. And uh, the thing on, on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if he's ready to play, um, you know, a, a huge role on this team. But, you know, Isaiah Laudermilk, 
you know, for a guy he's, six, he's six, huge. Yeah. He? Yeah. Six foot eight and 300 pounds. I, he's just, he's everything you want in a, in a three, four defensive end. And I, I just think you're going to see his role, you know, expand week by week by week. And, you know, they're going to need him quite a bit now with Chico Basi out, you know, indefinitely. Yeah. The, the thing that stands out to me about Laudermilk is, I mean, whenever I talk to him, I mean, I, I don't, I don't consider myself like a small person. I feel like I'm kind of average height, but man, Laudermilk is like two of me, uh, both in like height and width and uh, like just watching him get those snaps, uh, from the press box this last weekend. I mean, he just looks so much bigger than some of those other, you know, uh, football, you know, guys that are out there, particularly, uh, you know, if they're playing for Utah State, it might 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 not be quite as big as you know a Big Ten football player. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, got. It, it just certainly seems like he's got a bright future ahead of him at that uh, defensive end position. Yeah, I one thing that struck to me was the Badgers backup quarterback actually had some playing time, and I know it was a fifty-nine to ten blowout, but first game of the season when this lacrosse standout wasn't even supposed to be the backup, turns out to be in the game handing off passes with the guys it was kind of a nice thing to see just in case hornbrook would ever go down with an injury or they would need someone to come in that if hornbrook was struggling it was nice to see him come in and get some reps yeah i think that's uh that that's that shows you uh the value that the badgers put on getting jack collins some reps early because you know, getting him, they, they certainly didn't need him in that game. They could have easily uh, put in Correa Lyles for that last, uh, you know, half of the fourth quarter or whenever, whenever they decided to uh, put in the, the second team offense, second team defense. They, they could have, uh, d- you know, tried to preserve Jack Cohn's red shirt, uh, but they didn't think that that was in their best interest. They thought it was, uh, it would serve them uh, better to get Jack Cohn some in-game experience, you know, so that hopefully, you know, for the Badgers' sake, uh, if they need Jack Cohn this season or, you know, when he would, uh, you know, play and contribute later that he's already got some of those uh, first-game jitters out of the way. Yeah, that was that was a big thing for me. That was something that I wanted to, you know, certainly keep my eye on this season. And then, um, you know, for it to happen right away in the first game, I don't think it's that surprising, but I do think it's it's important because, you know, you, you chose to burn this guy's redshirt right away week one. That's that that shows your, um, I don't, you know, maybe confidence in him. But at the same time, you know, going back to last year, Paul Chris said we're going to need both quarterbacks, Bart Houston, and Alex Hornerbrook. I would imagine that philosophy is the same. Now, obviously, Hornerbrook's going to, you, you know, you be your starting quarterback and the guy who plays the bulk of the reps this year unless he's hurt. But I really think that Paul Chris believes that, you know, I, I have to have two guys – who are ready to play, or at least have a guy who's who's taken some college snaps. So, um, you know, I would expect if if everything goes well, you'd see something similar against Florida Atlantic. Maybe even getting into the game a bit more, and um, you know, potentially you know, attempting his first college pass. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it just goes to show you how the coaches and uh, the Wisconsin coaching staff in particular might look at this differently than, you know, we might look at it as uh, people outside the program or, or fans might look at it because you look at Jack Hone and he's, he's young, uh, he's accurate. Uh, he was a highly touted recruit. You look at him and you say, well, Alex Hornerbrook's already there. Why not try and, you know, get that extra year's worth of separation between the two of them eligibility wise uh, so that, 
you know, Jack Cohn could hypothetically down the road have more playing time as, you know, Wisconsin's new guy if if Hornerbrook is a, a multi-year starter here at, at Wisconsin. But, you know, the, uh, and so in that scenario, I was thinking, well, you know, if they see it this way, then, you know, maybe Correa Lyles is your backup quarterback that you would put in in a game against Utah State or FAU or, you know, any game where you're up by a lot and you've gotten into some garbage time um, at the end of the game uh, and thinking that, well, then maybe Jack Cohn is your long-term fill-in if you would need something. But obviously the Badgers look at it as, you know, Jack Cohn's a a true freshman. We need to get him some in-game experience just so that he knows what it's like to play in a college football game in the, you know, in the event that we need to use him for a long-term scenario thing. So I just think it goes to show you that, you know, the, the priorities and the, uh, the thought process for a, uh, a college coaching staff and, uh, you know, the people that are in the place to make those decisions is different than what you might think about uh, otherwise. Just transitioning a little bit here uh, before we, we talk a little more about FAU. Um, uh, John Mack, I, I think uh, you want to do a little recruiting update uh, uh, with uh, Deshaun Brown. Uh, I think you said that uh, you got to go see him play a little bit, and you'll go see him a little later too. Yeah, so last well, – I guess a week from today, last Thursday, I got a chance to get out and see him play. Um, and then he was offered on Friday at Wisconsin's game. So he's the first in-state kid to pick up an offer. He's about six foot one. And, you know, 175, 180 pounds. Now, he plays quarterback for his uh, St. Catharines team. Um, he's being recruited as an athlete, but you know, I wouldn't completely shut the door on him being able to play quarterback at, at the college level. Um, he, made some, he made some incredible throws against uh, Thomas Moore, who was just kind of overmatched on both sides of the ball. So um, I'm going to get out and watch him again on Saturday. I'm excited to see him again, get a chance to talk to him. Um, obviously Wisconsin, you know, it's his only offer right now. Um, Iowa was another school that's involved, but I would expect the recruiting interest to pick up with him quite a bit. So, um, a guy that's being recruited as an athlete right now by Wisconsin could play quarterback, could play receiver, could be a defensive back. So, um, an exciting kid. You don't see a lot of, you know, players of his caliber come from inside the state. So I think Wisconsin recognized that and wanted to get an offer out early to him to kind of, uh, jumpstart his recruitment and hopefully get in the driver's seat early, maybe try to wrap him up early in the process as well. Yeah, I was going to say the thing that's I guess, stands out to me a little bit about that is uh, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit that, you know, to get an offer as an in-state kid this early, I think um, says a lot about what the Badgers view him as or where, you know, where they, you know, where they look at him uh, down the line, just because, I mean, like we've seen a lot of in-state guys, you know, that have been on Wisconsin's radar for a while. And, you know, they don't, you don't automatically get an offer if you're, you know, a, a good high school football player, you know, from the state of Wisconsin. I mean, they, they want to see a lot out of you and, uh, you know, watch you develop. And so I guess to, to get the offer this early, um, I, I think, you know, shows you what the Badgers think of him. Yeah, definitely. Wisconsin has a, I don't want to say a difficult time, but more often than not, they get their, you know, quote unquote legs or skill guys from outside the state. So to have a guy like him, um, you know, he's a big time athlete. Um, He's also a very good basketball player as well. I think he's getting some, some looks for basketball. So um, I think they recognize that he's a, he's a new and unique kid from inside the state and they want to jump on him early. Sure. So uh, why don't we transition again uh, back to, uh, you know, this uh, Badger football team that's playing this season. Uh, another game coming up on Saturday at 11 o'clock. They're going to take on 
FAU, uh, which, uh, as as far as we're aware right now, uh, the game is uh, going to be played is scheduled. Obviously, Florida is dealing with uh, the uh, the impending uh, hurricane uh, that's uh, kind of bearing down on the state. But the Badgers are planning on having that game played as scheduled uh, at eleven o'clock. Game is on uh, Big Ten Network, I believe. You know, kind of, kind of an interesting game because this is uh, it's uh, Lane Kiffin taking over uh, at uh, Florida Atlantic for uh, former UW uh, defensive coordinator. For a couple of years, um, didn't get a whole lot of traction down there in Boca Raton, but uh, Lane Kiffin has uh, certainly added some some energy, and he uh, it seemed it looked like he uh, brought in a pretty decent recruiting class for FAU this last year, including some JUCO transfers. Uh, so, I, I guess, what are you guys uh, looking for in this game, or what do you expect to see, and do you have a prediction for uh, for a score, or uh, you know what you expect to see out of uh, out of the Badgers in Week Two at Camp Randall? Um, I'm just kind of looking to see how this revamped FAU team does against Wisconsin at home. I mean, this is this Florida program's only been in two bowl games in program history. Uh, they've only had seven NFL draft picks, so maybe not a lot of extremely. I don't, I don't want to say skilled, but I don't want to say non-competitive. Uh, it's just going to be an interesting matchup because we've never seen these two programs face at it before. So I do think Wisconsin's going to win. Um, I also believe Wisconsin's going to come out of the gate early and they're going to want to prove a point against maybe the doubters that saw them against Utah State and I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Yeah, well, I think I think you'll see a cleaner game. I've mentioned that before. Um, you know, if if you wanted to to catch up on on Florida Atlantic, you could watch the uh the Last Chance U documentaries on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, players were saying that they had, uh, had, uh, had watched that a little bit on Netflix, too. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to get a little scouting report, you can watch those two seasons. Um, I, I just I think it's fascinating you know, what Lane Kiffin's trying to do at, at Florida Atlantic. Um, I, I think you can get away with it there, but if you're looking down the road, the, the risks he's taking with the guys that he's bringing into this program, um, I don't want to say that every junior college kid you bring in is going to be a risk, but um, you know, he's, he's bringing on some kids who, you know, because of maybe the documentary are more, you know, a little bit more high profile kids. Um, so to bring them onto a campus, um, I think is risky. And then if you're, if you're looking ahead, you know, I think a guy like Lane Kiffin is probably looking to get back in, you know, to a power five school. Um, if you're, if you're running a university, if you're, you know, overseeing a football program, I don't know how you could bring a guy like Lane Kiffin on. Um, he, he obviously brings them a ton of buzz, but at the same time, if, if this is the route that he's choosing to go, um, I, I think he's going to have a hard time finding another Power 5 job. Now, that being said, maybe this is just his angle at, at Florida Atlantic. So, um, yeah. you, you know, regardless, he adds buzz to this matchup that's, you know, other outside of the buzz there's, there's not a whole lot going on. So, um, you know, I, w- I expect Wisconsin went comfortably. I think they're really going to try to uh, establish a run game like they like they tried to do against Utah State. I, I think guys like Chris James bounce back. Um, yeah. I, I think I think he'll have a productive game. Obviously, he he struggled against Utah State. I think a lot of that was because he hasn't he hasn't played. I think there's a lot of anticipation for that game for him personally. So I think he bounces back nice. I think you'll see another nice game from Jonathan Taylor and and Bradrick Shaw as well. I think you see a lot of running the ball, and they should have a lot of success against Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I guess the the thing with Chris James is that you know the Badgers are dealing with uh, you know, uh, Bradrick Shaw uh, you know, being being questionable for the game, and so you know if if he's uh, if he goes through pregame warmups and they're not uh, not convinced that he's he's good to go for it, then uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know what the what the uh, the carry. Um, 
implications would be like if, if Jonathan Taylor gets the, gets the bulk of the work or if they give it to Chris James instead. I, I, I mean, th- th- that's just one of the interesting things about Wisconsin's running back situation is that I feel like they have three guys who could be um, lead backs in their rotation, but uh, you know, it's just how do you divide these, divide these touches up? Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, where, where that goes. Um, I, I, I agree with you guys. I don't really expect it to be that close. I think, um, I was just writing the uh, the all out blitz, which will run on uh, uh, midday tomorrow on Friday. And uh, FAU they return a lot of talent. Or, or I, well, uh, let me let me let me rephrase that. They return a lot of experience uh, from last year's team. Uh, that does not necessarily mean that it is that it is uh, good experience because uh, FAU was uh, near the bottom in a lot of defensive categories last year, uh, particularly against the run. And you saw. You know what kind of success that Navy had uh, running the ball with their triple option attack last week against FAU. Uh, obviously, that game was you know kind of kind of wonky because it was it took like six hours and there were three lightning delays and, and whatnot. But uh, still, uh, it it looks like the Badgers should have some room to run. Um, I think FAU's defensive line is a little undersized, uh, and that could mean that the Badgers have a positive matchup uh, with their offensive line and going up against this front seven uh, for the second week in a row. And so if they can clean things clean those things up that uh, kind of got them off to a rocky start against Utah State, it seems like they'll uh, have a pretty good chance of, you know, an an easy-ish win uh, with the chance to get their younger guys a little more playing time at the end of the game. So I'm kind of thinking Wisconsin wins by about like 45 to 14. Um, And I was, I was on the under uh, with the, with Wisconsin's point total uh, last week. So uh, I guess we'll see how that goes for this week, but uh, I think that's all we've got for this week's edition of the uh, the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Uh, thanks again for listening, uh, John and uh, John. Where can uh, all the all the listeners out there find you guys out on social media on uh, Twitter? Uh, if you want to drop in your uh, your handles there, I am uh, at McNamara Rivals. I am at Real J underscore Mills. You can find me on Twitter at John Veldheis. That's uh, J-O-H-N-V-E-L-D-H-U-I-S. John Bells and I will be at Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday morning, bright and early, uh, for uh, another uh, home game for the Wisconsin Badgers as they take on FAU. We'll have plenty of... uh, Little, uh, we have a little more pregame content coming up. We'll have plenty of postgame stuff up on the website too, including uh, both premium and free articles. So if you're uh, if you're looking for some good insight on Wisconsin and their 2017 season, you can always sign up for a subscription to BadgerBlitz.com. So go on over and, and check that out before the Badgers uh, play their next couple of games because it's certainly looking like it's going to be an interest, interesting season, and we're looking forward to covering it on BadgerBlitz.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week.